Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Gray, and this is another episode of the Gray Ant Podcast. And today, we have an exciting guest, Anthony Silverstone from Africa's leading animation studio, Triggerfish Animation Studios, based in South Africa, Cape Town. So this is a podcast for the curious minds like yourself. Uh, basically, I try to find interesting people that we all can listen to and learn from their stories and experiences and their expertise. So Anthony is a partner of Triggerfish Animation. He heads up development there and he directed Kumba, the movie, and he wrote and produced the Zambezia animated movie. Uh, which were, was the first animated feature film by Triggerfish. So this is an exciting podcast episode, especially if you're an artist, you're going to enjoy this. Uh, if you're in the CG, uh, I mean, and you're based in South Africa, you're more likely familiar with um, Triggerfish or Anthony or some of their work at least. So, I mean, I tried to learn for myself as much as I could. Uh, we started with the history of Triggerfish, uh, how it all started. And you actually will be shocked to hear that it started uh, over 20 years ago. Um, so we went into um, Anthony's story a little bit. Uh, I tried to, you know, to jump on different topics because we had limited time and I wanted to get as much as I could. So we got uh, his story, how he got started and where he is now. And we get into filmmaking, you know, what it takes to really make a film. So even though you're not, uh, you might not be in the film business or, you know, in, you might not be an artist, but at least you understand what it takes to really make a film. Uh, and we go into the funding side of films or art. Uh, this is important, especially for artists out there, because, you know, I think they, there are a lot of misconceptions of what funding is or how to actually get it. So we get into there and I was actually surprised myself to learn the things uh, that Anthony was talking about, because that's what he does. You know, that's what these guys do. They work in films and they have to get funding. They have to do the whole process by themselves. So... With that, I don't want to spend too much of your time, but if you want to learn more about Triggerfish, obviously you can go on their website. Uh, it's triggerfishstudios.com and you can see the movies they've worked on, you know, the awards they've won, and they have a cool studio in Cape Town, obviously, and I'm actually humbled that I actually had to go there to do this podcast. It was an, ama an amazing time. So with that, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Remember to subscribe and share. I'll see you on the next episode. Enjoy. So like your day-to-day -day stuff, what is it? Like, do you live very close to this place? No, I live in Woodstock, so oh, it's yeah, a 20-minute drive, but it's against traffic, so it's fine. Um, oh, all the time, like back and forth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Isn't it like a challenge for the, some of the guys who get here? Some people, yeah, they like live in Somerset West or something. Oh, wow. But the a lot of people do live out this side or they've moved here. And, um, you know, the bonus is that there's lots of parking and yeah. you know, that kind of thing. In the city, you get stuck in traffic, you can't find parking, costs oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah. So nice and when i was trying to find this area well i, I came on an uber so i just oh. called in trigger fish but like okay what's this area called bergfleet bergfleet yeah okay. yeah 
Wow. Ja, Shem, uh, pricey Uber. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still preferred not to drive okay. mostly, so, yeah. Okay. So let's just begin with the... An introduction for what triggerfish is really. Okay. Yeah, for those who like have okay. no idea what it is. Yeah. Okay, sure. So triggerfish is a animation studio, um, predominantly CG character, long form animation. Yeah. We've been going for about twenty two years now. Um, so it started off in stop frame, doing stuff for Sesame Street. Yeah. And little shorts and adverts as well. And then in around two thousand seven, we switched over to CG and started building up our infrastructure and pipeline to do long form. So we started with a feature film, Zambezia, or Adventures in Zambezia, and that got released in 2012. And then the second film, Kumba, came out in 2013. And then since then, we've been doing mostly service work. We've had a, a Christmas special for the last three years um, for BBC, which was a uh, we were working with a company in the UK called Magic Light Pictures, mm. and um, and those have gone on to win awards and you know build an international reputation. Um, but it's still it's all service work, so we're also developing a lot of our own content, um, trying to get the next feature film going and expanding into TV as well. Right. So I had no idea that you guys been running for like yeah. the last twenty years. Yeah. 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 And you have been there for that long? So I joined as an intern in about 20, 2003, yeah. um, mixing wow. clay, doing stop frame, um, little sets and things. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's one of the oldest uh, studios in South Africa. And, um, you know, it's not easy to keep a studio running. Mm. It's, it's it, there a lot of startups and a lot of turnover mm. in the industry. Um, so there's a few bigger ones that have been around, and Triggerfish is definitely one of them. Um, is, is Triggerfish the largest in South Africa? Probably at the moment. I mean, it goes through phases. We, yeah. you know, we scale up per project. Sure. And there's a few others. There's Black Ginger, um, which do a lot of commercials and VFX. Mm. There's Sunrise Animation, which is just down the road here. They do um, TV series, and then there's uh, Luma and Joburg. They're quite big. They're just taken over a feature film project um, those are probably some of the bigger ones there's there's a few other you know medium sized that are that have been around for 10 years or so mm. as well so yeah right and uh, before you joined uh, the animation studio what were mm -hmm. you doing like, <laughs> Me, arts and I yeah I actually studied science so science I did this microbiology and biochemistry right because when I started studying after school there wasn't much animation industry in South Africa mm. um, and I kind of thought you know who's going to teach me uh, yeah. they, there's no no one has been in the industry that I can learn from because there was no industry so I just studied science and then after a while I kind of figured that wasn't really what I wanted to do I still mm. wanted to do animation and Triggerfish had been around doing a little bit of work mm -hmm. and had built a reputation with the Sesame Street work so I just decided to take the plunge mm. and then the stop frame kind of died yeah. and um, so I had to switch over to CG yeah 
So, okay, okay. I think we're talking about your story. Mine, we yeah. We haven't introduced yeah. you to, oh, okay. the, <laughs> to the audience at all. So, what, okay. how do you introduce yourself? So, what's your role? At so, yeah, okay. Mine? So, I'm Anthony Silverston, and I'm one of the partners now at Triggerfish. Mm. But currently, I head up development. So, I oversee all the original projects that we're developing here at Triggerfish. Mm -hmm. Feature films, TV, everything. Um, I... I also am a writer-director, so I wrote on Zambezia and Kumba, and I directed Kumba. So, oh, oh yeah, you, yeah. Direct, you yeah. directed Kumba, yeah. 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 Um, and who were the founders of this company? The original founders were um, Emma Kay and Jackie Trowell, yeah. and um, so they started in '96. Uh, Jackie has since moved back to Australia. She's she was originally from there. Mm. I think still in subframe, and Emma K is is still around. She's gone more into sort of mobile mm. um, stuff, and then um, Stuart. And they're not part of the company. Anymore? They're not any longer. Oh, no. Okay. So so there was a transition. Stuart Forrest bought in, mm. and James Middleton. Um, they were the two. They so there were four partners at one stage, mm. and then those, uh, Emma and Jackie left and. And James and Stuart ran it for a while, and then they opened it up. And so myself and Mike Buckland um, bought in in about 2007. And then Jean-Michel Koenig, who's our CFO, he's in charge of finance, he mm. joined um, a few years later. So there's five partners at the moment, which is, you know, to be honest, that's actually a big part of, I think, the reason why we're still around, because there's five people to help manage this thing and to mm. keep pushing it and you know we each have our little area of kind of responsibility and expertise right. um, and that helps to just keep things going because it's it is tough to run a company yeah and all all of you are like full-time on this yeah yeah okay yeah. interesting yeah. yeah so at the moment there's about 80 uh, something employees so including us i mean that's wow. it's a big it's a big company at the moment yeah because we're kind of at the height of the one um, production we we've you know, when we in Kumba, we went up to a hundred and something. Mm. So it kind of, you know, jumps and, and drops. Right. So one would ask then, how, what's the difference between running this kind of a huge, mm. uh, I think in, at a larger capacity of a company than running it more as a startup? Because I think yeah. in the last couple of years, there's just been the model of how studios are run has kind of changed. It, yeah, has, it became yeah. more like, oh, a few guys in an apartment, yeah. and, you know. What's the difference? And like, what can yeah. those kind of studios not do? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, as, you know, to be honest, it felt like we were a startup for 20 of those 22 years. Right. Because it is just, um, the, the industry is constantly changing. Um, a lot of the time, we were just a small crew ourselves. And then, you know, it would suddenly explode for a project, but at the end of that project, you're right back at square one. Mm. You know, that budget has been spent and yeah. and often with very little profit. So you kind of lurch from one thing to the next. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what's, and, and even now it's not, it's not, it's not easy to maintain that stability of a kind of bigger corporate kind of studio. I think what helped us to reach towards that, um, besides having five partners, because that means there's five people actively trying to develop the studio. Um, I think we hired an HR manager quite early on, and that, I think, helps to establish a sense of a studio mm -hmm. that is gonna be around for a while, that is gonna look after its people and its crew, and, and can run 
you know the sort of management side of things a bit um, a lot of uh, startups I think it's like you know you'll have an, two animators and that's great but but you know it's not all just about making the work it's also about managing client relationships and then as you crew up you know maintaining the crew relationships and so I think that's one of the things is to sort of really try and focus on your people both internal and external um, it you know it takes a while for any startup I guess to build that reputation of quality so every project you do is you know a, a big step towards getting another job and so you can't miss your deadline you can't go over budget you have to deliver the quality um, yeah. to build your reputation from project to project because you really are only as good as your last project and mm. so the the sort of stability comes only once you've built your reputation a lot of the relationships we have I mean even now these Christmas specials we're working on you know it, it took us seven years um, talking to the client before we got the first job mm-hmm. so it's, it's a long-term um, process Wow. Yeah. So from when you were doing like stop animation, mm-hmm. uh, stop frame and stuff, your first CG based project was Kumba, right? Well, yeah, mine, I started CG learning on Zambezia okay. as an intern. Um, and then because it took so long, we did a few other projects in between okay. before we got to, to finish that and then to go on to Kumba. Okay. Yeah. But as a director, I mean, it was the biggest. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. but as a studio. So the oh, studio see. was Zambezia. Zambezia was the first. first one, yeah. Okay. It was the first big one. We did do other, you know, we had uh, like a 10-minute thing for UNESCO and, a, mm. and another DVD straight to, for some clients. So there's, there was a we, I think we were quite careful in building up our pipeline and mm. infrastructure. Although, you know, still when we started Zambezia, we went from eight people to 80 people yeah. pretty much overnight. That was what I was, so, trying, to, yeah, where I was yeah, trying to get. Yeah. Like, so what, what was the jump now? Yeah. I mean, obviously you moved into CG, you did a couple of projects, mm. but then from there to like a feature film. Yeah. What was it like to it, to find talent or actually yes. to, to feel like you actually going to deliver this thing, yes. the full length film? Well, I think part of it was the sort of naivety of not knowing what we didn't know. Yeah. So we kind of thought well how hard can it really be you know we've we've done a 10 minute we've done a half hour mm. it's just three of those and I think the complications are exponential um, I think the one factor that you need to consider I guess is the, the crew like having 80 people all have to work together well for a long period of time requires a lot of you know finessing Mm. um you have to hire properly so we did we did a massive hiring sort of campaign we interviewed many 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 people and we were careful about who we chose we wanted to find people who would fit into our culture we tried to always create an atmosphere you know Mm. in the studio so it wasn't just about the project and that's important too i guess in building a studio yeah um we had to set up a lot of infrastructure still i mean we've we've moved into this this farm you know where we've set up uh, we had to put in electricity build another floor yeah. you know it was it was a, a lot of practical sort of work as well mm. um, the the actual project I think no one could have sort of predicted how complicated it would be we had feather 
Uh, oh yeah. Then Kumba had fur. Our next project has water. Yeah. You know, each project is going to have a huge technical challenge. So you, you know, you you need to try and get the right experts in those different areas. Yeah. Um, but did you think those things through before? Like uh, we, we're going to have to do yeah, I mean, we, we planned as much as possible. Yeah. But you can never plan for everything, and it was the first film was pretty chaotic. I got to mm-hmm. say. Um, I think, you know, every we were all just glad that the story made sense at the mm. end of it. I think that's the one thing people underestimate is the importance of story. Um, you know, yes, there were technical challenges, and it looked pretty good in the end. We mm. think um, for you know the time and the budget that we had, but if it's a bad story, none of what it looks like matters. Yeah, and we did spend a lot of time trying to get that right. We went through many, many, many versions. We had lots of reworking throughout, mm. right up until the final edit. You know, um, it's yeah, it's 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 a big challenge to do a, a narrative film mm-hmm. of ninety minutes for an international audience. It's not a commercial where we're just going to no, cut through shots. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the consistency as well, because did you had like challenges yeah. of staff having to leave and somebody has to continue on, on those sometimes, things? Sometimes. I mean, a lot of the people, I think we're just very happy to get a long-term contract mm. because before that, the industry, I think, mostly had people working advert advertising where it yep. was like, you know, you get hired for two weeks and that's that. So uh, we kept a lot of the crew and about 60% of the crew went on to do Kumba as well so we could build on that experience, you know. Um I think the one challenge was, you know, for example, animation consistency. You've got mm. people of different skill levels. You've got animators working on different characters. So, you know, that's the animation director's job to maintain the consistency of performance, mm. that kind of thing. Um, right. And then you, um, with your background, like what, what did you specialize in, in animation? So my, I ended up, because I ended up writing mm. more, that kind of became my speciality was the story story okay. so i i'm i stopped doing most of the the, the actual 3d work mm. myself um i mean i still liked to animate but there were 22 other animators on the project that were much better than me yeah. um so i focused on script and story really and that's the director's job yeah. is to hold the story and then edit as well i was quite active in that mm-hmm. But I, I do, what, what do you think are the advantages since you have done the animation yourself yes. before of like, yes. you know, as a director, knowing what, how yeah. it works when someone yeah. is talking about lighting or how long it should take to render? No, definitely. I think uh, we've worked with directors who come from 2D mm-hmm. and then they don't have the 3D experience to understand, you know, what decisions get made that have an impact later on. Yeah. But they have great uh, you know, animation skills in terms of 2D, they can do drawovers, they can do that kind of thing. Like, I couldn't do that. Mm. But because I'd been an intern and learnt everything myself, you know, I didn't study animation. I just had mm. to figure it out as I went. I think I had a good understanding of what people were going through when they hit challenges or, you mm. know, um, and I had a good overview of the process. So I could kind of know where to compromise and where yeah. to push for quality or yeah. right and then let's talk about artists now you know yeah. the animators and the yes. crew yes 
has it ever been a challenge within South Africa to find artists, you think? Yeah, it goes through phases. Mm. Um, I think the industry as a whole has been sort of slowly growing and then on the verge of booming. Mm. And it's a bit of a chicken egg thing because we've, there have been massive projects out there that mm-hmm. we could have taken on, whether it's us or some other studio in South Africa, but we didn't have enough crew to do it. And so, you know, we don't want to take on a job and then not be able to deliver. Mm. Um, but then there've been other times where we've had, a, uh, I guess, a big job and then not found the crew to do it. We've, we've, I think the there are a lot more schools at the moment and a lot more students going through this sort of system. Mm. So each year there's a greater pool of talent. Um, like we've had internship programs for the last few years and they started off with about six, I think, on a four interns, and then six, and then mm. eight, and ten, and now this year we've had 15 interns. So we've expanded our pool of juniors. The problem has been the seniors, mm. so the leads. There are not many people who've been through, you know, three feature films yes. in this country. And when they have been, they often want to then go overseas. overseas yeah. And so that's the kind of trick I think is to try and figure out how to maintain your experience in the country mm-hmm. the, the lead level um, and it is a challenge and I think there's not there's only so much you know even we as a country can do about that mm. hopefully a lot of those people will go overseas learn and then come back and hopefully and and yeah. they share their experience and their knowledge so um, what do you think is the what what do you think attracts most leads to go out um I think the fact that they're not learning from people more experienced than them. Oh, yes. So if they're at the top of their game, yeah. then they can only learn from like going online. Yes. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the the plus about being in South Africa as an artist in animation is that you get so many more opportunities. Your, your sort of career trajectory is much, much faster. Mm. I think overseas, there is still a demand for artists, but you know, to become a lead, to become a director, is nearly impossible. I mean, you really have to fight for that chance to prove yourself. Yeah. And I think in South Africa, you kind of get thrown those opportunities quite easily because every yeah, every studio is is looking for the best, I guess. And those people who are the best. Mm are then in high demand and there's only a few of them you know in the country because we're still new we're still yeah. it's a very young industry here um, yeah so as a as a head or you know you're the one who gets to talk to the clients mm. and convey the message whatever mm. so in in have you ever been in a situation where something is was isn't coming out the way that you projected it would be and then how do you yeah. deliver that kind of message? So do if, you mean the quality? Know, yeah, sort the of, quality or yeah. something just didn't come right. Yeah. Um, and it cannot be made <laughs> yeah. to that level. I mean, every project, I think, you always get to the end and you're kind of in crisis because, you know, it's it's running out of time, it's mm. running out of money, you've hit challenges that you didn't expect and that, that the schedule's been kind of compacted mm. and suddenly the comp department has to do double the amount of work and half the amount of time. Um, 
and that seems to kind of be the nature of production what we've tried to do is after every project do a debrief mm. try and figure out where we went wrong how to improve and improve our pipeline and efficiency so it kind of helps the, the, the future projects but we always get to that stage where it's like okay that's fine but what about the current project like how yeah. are we going to deliver and usually it's kind of just like everyone just has to jump on board and sort of just pull in a few extra hours mm. you know those those weekends sometimes do start to pile up um, you know we try not to do overtime because we do these long projects mm. and it's not sustainable but on the last few productions you know because there's a it's a Christmas special there's kind of a fine oh, cut off like yeah. we have to screen it on that day the press need to watch it you know a month or two before that yes so there's very little room for maneuvering um, so it's kind of seeing if we can find more people to help fill in the gaps or mm. find more time right. and the overtime is always a bit of a contentious thing because we don't want to push it and we don't want to burn people out mm. but sometimes a smaller crew is more efficient as yeah. well um, you just got to look for where you can save where you can cut corners optimize things mm-hmm. um, you know I mean we've got it, the, the best people looking at systems and looking at how to do everything yeah. as good as they can as quickly as they can and you just do it on a shot by shot basis mm. like keep reprioritizing like where to spend your time um, fixing what but then since you have uh, different levels of artists yeah what happens when you're when one of your artists is at a p- position where they cannot do something mm-hmm and it's quite rare for artists to actually say that yeah. CG in the yeah. CG specifically to say that they can't you know it's they'll yeah. try to figure it out which yeah. they would probably yeah. but after a long period of time yeah I think um, I guess we have teams so there'll be a you know compositing team and there'll be a lead and then there'll be, mm. be people under and the it's the sort of leads responsibility mm. to to either help Uh, the, say the junior you know achieve mm. what they need to do in that shot um, and if they can't do it pass it on to someone who can um, and sometimes you know to actually take away the shot I guess mm. you know I'm, I'm not too experienced in actual production myself now because I've kind of been in development more yeah but I think a lot of people just seem to want to to push themselves to deliver mm. like they they almost like the challenge I guess of, yeah. of showing what they can do um, it's it, it's sort of yeah it's difficult I guess for the director sometimes when they've got a vision for something and the artist isn't delivering that yeah and then they've run out of time and you kind of have to go okay you must approve this and they're like well it's not good enough <laughs> um, but then you got to take it in context of okay it's a you know this is a 26 minute film whatever mm. and it's one shot you know what is going to be noticeable fix yeah. those three things and leave the other two um, right that's a good look at it yeah it's got to be taken always in terms of the story like mm. it's the audience experience if something's going to take them out of the story you've, you've lost so focus you know on the priority shots the emotional ones mm. the big epic ones and um, if you You know there's some shots that are in 
the production pipeline almost from beginning to end because mm. they're important and they got to keep finessing those shots because they're key ones. Right. And then the other ones, you can sort of re- reduce priority yeah. as you run out of time. So say on Kumba, yeah. how long did the development took to actually reach to a point that you're yeah. starting to animate it? Well, we, you know, the, there's a whole lot of development that happens sort of even before funding, mm. right? So that was years of working on the story and... Mm. Um, then when you've actually gotten the funding and you green light, you go into pre-production, mm-hmm. which I think ours was a, a year of pre-production. But sorry, so just walk me through okay. the before. Yes. So first somebody come up with a story Yeah. and you look at it and when you say you write on it, it means you read the whole thing and you add something and remove something. Well, How does that whole work? Okay, so, so I mean script development is a whole long complicated process in itself because it's really just trying to make the story work you know it's we we have a concept so i had an idea Mm. i applied for funding it was for a short film initially Mm. um that was successful but then there was another competition that came along at the same time i entered that i won Mm. so that was for a feature film so I just like, okay, it's going to be a feature now. Because that's mm-hmm. ideally what I did want to do anyway. Yeah. So you, the so, original story came from you, for Yes, Kumba. yes, myself. Right. And then I brought in a co-writer. Mm. So I didn't feel like I was necessarily experienced enough. Mm. Um, I met Raffaella Della Donna, who was writing some children's stories. And I thought it had the right tone. So I showed her my story. Mm. And she helped me a little bit and kept bringing new ideas. So it grew. Mm. So we ended up entering this competition neither of us had written a film before and with the competition we got guidance we got a script editor who helped us through the process you know there's it's you can read books that helps but um, ultimately um, yeah you need to come up with a 90 page screenplay that that process is just doing outlines Mm. redoing outlines then slightly longer outlines then a script then you redo the outline then you go back to script Mm. it it goes in circles um everyone's got ideas of what it should be and what will work and what won't work and eventually you kind of find the right story right and oh so it keeps on changing over time totally totally i mean but what sale is it like when you're pitching it is it really a complete story kind of you get an idea of what's the whole story is it's you know it's selling at a different level so mm. you've got to have a good concept firstly to get people interested in it right and then at some point you've got to have a, a full finished script to get funders interested in it mm. and um, so you've have a good idea mixed in with a well written you know well structured funny usually script that someone thinks they'll be able to sell mm. and, and, and show and make money back yeah. so that they're not wasting their money paying you to make something. So when you so say founders are people that are actually going to try to sell the product yes. to the film and make back their... Yeah, yeah. So, so any there. investor who puts money into your film mm. is going to try and make their money back by selling your film. Right. So it's not a gift. <laughs> like, it's a loan and right. they're hoping to actually make money from it. So basically you're trying to convince someone that they could make money from your product. And Whoa. It's tough because it's a creative product and it's subjective. Yeah. And so it's a, you know, you, you got to, I mean, I, that's where my partner Stuart, he's the sort of 
guy that will uh, maintain those relationships between investors and there's the sales agent. So you got to bring in all the right partners. Mm. Um, the sales agent takes your film to market. They'll go to different festivals and 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 essentially pre-sale yeah. it to different distributors around the world. So like Holland or you know Russia might say, okay, we like your idea. We've read your script. We think it'll do well in our country. They'll pay you a little bit of money mm. up front to guarantee that they are the distributor. So oh, in, okay. so locally it could be, so Kinecorn New Metro would like maybe pay a little bit of money and say, okay, we get to distribute it when it's finished. Right. So that shows that there's a business plan. Then you take that to the IDC or the DTI and all the different NFEF or the local partners and get them to kind of yeah, fill out all the forms. It's, it's a long, complicated process and it's not easy. It's, I mean, on the current film, it's literally taken us about four years wow. to put together all of that um, financial side of things. But it's important to know though, especially for the artists listening, because yeah. people always talk about funding, yeah. but they always think of it <laughs> yeah. as a gift. Like, oh, I'm just looking for funding to make a film, but really, you know, no, it, look, it has that, to be sold. It's, um, you know, if you think about this, there's three different sort of also formats, mm. right? There's short film, TV series, and feature films. Yes. And they've each got different models. So short films, pretty much there's no model for funding. Right. I mean, it's it's like the Christmas specials we're doing are very rare. Mm. Um, there happens to be a half hour slot on BBC on Christmas where they commission these half hour shorts. Besides that, you know, TV doesn't really show shorts because it doesn't fit into a format that yeah. they can slot into uh, their programming schedule. So it's basically to try and get your work out there, get into festivals, build your name, build your reputation. Um, and the funding that you get for that is often soft funding. So it's like the NFEF, who are the local film funders, they might fund a short film because they're not necessarily expecting a return on that short. Mm. They're just encouraging growth in the country. And yet, you still, you know, you still got to consider your short in terms of like where you're trying to show it. What's your intention? Um, it Sometimes it's just a form of self-expression. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not easy to get funding for shorts, I would say. So most of the time people just do it on the side, mm. self-funded. Um, Roping their friends, you know. Um, that's what I did, and that's how I started. Mm. I, when I got into animation, I needed to build my own short showreel. So I just did a few short films by myself. Um, TV series, it's a different process. You'll put together a pitch bible, um, you'll go to markets, and you'll connect with other partners, distributors, licenses, um, yeah, broadcasters, and they will all give notes mm. and you know, like we're working with one now where they're looking at the character and saying, well, how will it stand out in this in the merchandising? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a preschool show. So they're saying there's a whole lot of girl stuff that is very pink. They want this character to stand out. So they're saying maybe it shouldn't be pink because it's going to just get lost if it's pink. Right. So the, they're considering the brand as well, you know, the merchandising aspect. Um, so the, um, you know, the... There's a, there's a very clear business side of this industry that mm. has to be considered. So TV, you know, like a lot of the sort of driver of TV is unfortunately the toys mm. because 
um, that's oh, where oh, wow. yeah, that's where the <laughs> so income comes links, from. Links to that definitely because oh, wow. if you think about why is it uh, you know like especially preschool mm. why there's five seasons of a show is because it builds that sort of profile of those characters mm. that then kids yes. want to buy that character because yeah. they that's their friend you know they've watched it and gotten to know it and they want to now play with it and and it's not that like you're you're making the show to make the toy you're kind of making the toy so that you can make the show because right. by selling the toy you can actually raise the money to make the show okay it, that's interesting I've yeah. never I've yeah. never thought of that um, yeah. I think then it's more like for the artists who really want to build stuff yeah it's important to consider all those things but yeah, most yeah. of us don't yeah which because we don't know yeah and so, it's more kind of too much for an artist yeah. to think you know most and artists don't want to deal with, with yeah so what so do you think would be the best model i like, think you need to team up with someone who does think about that stuff yeah um you, you know as an artist you should do what you do which is create mm. and then you should try and find someone who's going to help you get your product essentially to market mm -hmm. and I know it's a horrible way of thinking about it because it sort of feels cold yeah but you know what's also horrible is not affording to eat and you know doing some other crappy job in the day so that you can do your little short film at mm. night when you're exhausted and you know no one sees it because you you can't get it out there it's it's got to be a, a, a sort of a personal choice as well I think you've got to decide why you're doing this and where you're willing to compromise. Mm. Because the biggest danger is you you end up making something and you feel compromised because you're just sort of trying to appeal to the market and make what you think mm. is going to work. And that's also pointless. Which is most um, of Hollywood these days. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, then, you know, you look at Black Panther and you're like, ooh, yeah. that's freaking awesome. So that is, you know, I, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, team up with people. It's It's very difficult to do it all by yourself because also, I think what happens with a lot of animators is they they're not considering their audience. Mm. So they're making something cool because they <laughs> they appeals to themselves. Yes, and that's fine. I mean, if you can get enough animators to support you, mm. that you can keep doing what you're doing and getting into festivals and you know whatever, then that's great. But you know, like us, for example, at Triggerfish, our audience for our feature films is the family market, yes. international. So we have to consider what does a two-year-old in Saudi Arabia think about our thing. And we've got to factor oh. that in. And if we're not considering the audience, we're only thinking about ourselves, it's not going to work. So it's going to be a failure. So we have to bear that in mind. Um, you know, if you're doing a preschool show, your audience is much more narrow. Mm. If you're doing, you know, Simpsons or South Park, it's an adult audience. Then you speak to those distributors. You, you need to look at what you're wanting to make and then find the people that make that kind of stuff mm. and speak to them because they know their audience and they can help you guide it, you know, to, to then appeal to that audience. How long sure. did it take you to develop the business acumen of oh, yeah. film? I mean, from just being yeah. an artist trying to make yeah. cool things. Look, I mean, you pick it up over time. I mean, I, I think all of us, Stuart, Mike and myself all started as animators mm. and we just had to pick up business stuff because there was no one else to do it. Mm. Um, I mean, my mother's a businesswoman, so I must have picked a little bit up from her along the way. Um, I think it's it's also just being exposed to the business. Mm. 
So I've gone to Annecy, which is a big festival in France. There's a market there. You know, the first time I went, I was completely overwhelmed. I didn't know what was going on and what was what. Next time I went, I started to understand a little bit more. You know, you start meeting people. They explain stuff to you. Next time you go, you meet the same people. Yeah. yeah they become friends. They explain more things to you because now it's, you know, um, there's a relationship. Um, you make mistakes. That's how you learn. Mm-hmm. A lot of mistakes. I think um, you kind of need to be okay with that in a way. Um, you're not going to get it right first time every time. Um, yeah, I think the business side of animation, it's in a way, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like Not everyone needs to consider it. If you're starting a little studio of your own, then definitely you need yeah. to consider it if you want to stick around. Mm. If, you, if you want to freelance, probably as well. If you want to freelance, you do. <laughs> you need to, you know, I think freelancing is like, that comes with its whole own set of sort of challenges. I think you need to value yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to say, my time is worth X and I'm going to charge that. And if someone's not willing to pay that, it's fine. I'll find someone who is willing to yeah. pay me that. Because a lot of artists think they're not worthy of actually being paid to do what they like doing. Absolutely. And that's a danger because all that that happens is it perpetuates the cycle. You'll get someone else, you know, who will, mm. um, yeah, under quote you or whatever. Um, so stick to your guns in terms of what you're worth. I mean, you need to have the skills to, mm. to charge whatever um, rates that you can. Um, yeah, you've got to invoice properly. You've got to maintain your sort of taxes and all of that. Yeah. It's, it is, you're running a business and it's you, you are the business. Um, yeah. So lastly, for since your Zambezia was your first mm. film to direct. Oh, sorry, no, Zambezia Kumbas, was sorry. yeah, Kumbos direct Zambezia, right? Yeah, produced. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, what was your darkest moment uh, creating that film? <laughs> darkest moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think actually there was definitely one that always stood out for me was because we'd finally started. Uh, storyboarding and everything felt because it's the same thing we took years to get it funded the story was going in circles we finally started we'd done a whole animatic and we sent it off to our sales agent and I thought okay finally we're making progress and he kind of came back with some notes really upset with some of the changes we'd done mm-hmm. one of them being that we'd, we'd lost a, a female character that was quite important and you know, just something that the director had decided because there was just too many other characters and whatever. You always, you know, you make decisions because it's the right decision at the time. Mm. I hadn't necessarily agreed with that particular decision. And then the sales agent kind of said, look, this is, you've now lost the girl audience because mm. you've lost your strong female character. And so we can't do that. So we had to find ways to introduce her back Back. into the story. And I just was like, oh, how do we do this now? You know, we've already gone through the process of losing her and that was hard enough. And now we have to put it back in. And in the end, you know, I think we probably came up with a better solution Mm. than what we started. But it was a difficult process to go through. And I guess for me, just that particular role of like having written stuff, but then having to produce it and then having to rewrite yeah. but changing roles I think that's very tricky for all of us in this industry you don't always get to do one thing yeah and um, it affects everything else yeah so that was that was a hard time but 
but there were many. I mean, it was a difficult project. I think mm. um, we were very pleased with the end result, and it definitely did a huge amount for the reputation of the company and of the country. country as well, yeah. I think it was the first project that really did start to break out into international you know, arena. Right. And for artists who want to work for Triggerfish, yes. what do you look for? Yes. What should they work on? What, what do you need? We always looking for basically the best of the best. Okay. So, you know, we, we, we want people who will also fit into our culture and our studio. Um, so it's not just about the work. It's about the work ethic. Mm. It's about, you know, um, their own sort of initiative. Um, we, we are a studio that don't sort of micromanage much. We let people, we try to empower people and, mm. and let them run the stuff. Um, but on showreels, you know, it's always sort of less is more. If, you, if you're trying to jam different things together, like lighting, modeling, animation, are you really good at all those mm. things? You know, just choose the one that oh, you're good okay. at. Just show that. And um, yeah, we, we have a website uh, with careers yeah. link there. People can fill out all the information. And, yeah. Right. Thanks so much, Anthony. Sure. Appreciate it. It was great. Sure. Good.